There we go. Well, good morning. That was a deep morning. That's like soulful. That was really I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's really good. Well, hey, I, I, I'm excited. We are starting um, a really kind of short series um, as we're getting ready for our Advent, starting at the end of the month and everything. Um, and, and so for the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to do the series. But I'm really excited. Uh, two weeks from today, on the 19th, um, a gentleman that came a few months ago that is a missionary to Wales about planting churches in Wales and and everything and we just got done talking about leaving a legacy and being outlasters and you were talking about an area that literally churches are closing all the time i've invited him to come on sunday morning um, when most of us gather to hear um, about what he's doing in wales and what god is doing there and planting churches and everything and how we can pray for him and so i'm really excited about that um, but for right now um, we are doing this whole series about billboards i don't know if you've noticed anything around especially around central florida we have a lot of billboards promoting all kinds of stuff all the time um and and i i'm just under the belief and and i just i just know that we all are living billboards we all are promoting something um the way we live our lives and we're showing what's important to us the way we live our lives but i thought it'd be kind of fun if i found some billboards um that just help promote different things so i found a few here uh there we go. I, I like this one. Daisy Outdoor Products. Daisy Air Rifles. Keeping kids off your lawn since 1886. <laughs> I, I like that one. I like that one. Um, here's a illiterate right for free help. Let that one just sink in for a moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got it? Okay. This is one of my favorites. Oh, wait a minute, go back. What was it? Just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Attorney at law. That's, yeah, that's, he's making a lot of money right now. So um, here's a good one. To us, you're more than a number. In fact, 37% more, the IRS. <laughs> yeah, uh, your tax dollars at work. Um, this, this one is the last one. Don't read this billboard while driving. <laughs> Distraction kills. Wiles driving. Yeah, that's good. The, the, those are funny. There's a lot of bad ones out there, too. I, it took me a long time to filter these and stuff. But I, I just thought it would be kind of funny because they're all promoting something, and, and we all promote something. I think our lives, we're, we are, we're living billboards. The, the way we live, the way we act, what we say, what we do, all those things promote what's important to us in our lives. And so um, <clears throat> that's really what I want to talk about. I love this. C.V. Ingram, Wigram, excuse me, great preacher, said this. He said, Christ cannot light a single spark in the heart of an individual without that little tiny spark being for God. He gives the light and has ordained that every ray of it is to reflect something for God. You know, as, as we're here this morning and, and we're at church and, and so we claim to be followers of Christ, then, then our lives should reflect that. Our lives should promote what we believe about God. And so over the next two weeks, I, that's what I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about us being living billboards. And, and this morning I want to talk about simply about what does it look like to love God, actually. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22. <coughs> Matthew 22, and as I always say, these are the only important words this morning, church. 
Folks, th these are the words that matter the most, not anything that I'm going to say or, or anything else. It, it's these words. And so you can, you can sign into our Wi-Fi at GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, or um, if you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible. But out of recognition and acknowledgement of the authority's words, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me. As we read in Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34. And it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great, great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning for allowing us to come together to gather. God, to be a community. God, to be in your presence. Father, we just ask this morning that you would speak. That it would be your words and not mine. God, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that, um, God, you would change us. Father, these, these are verses we've heard probably over and over in our lives. But God, I just ask this morning that you reveal to us what that actually looks like. God, that you would put flesh to bone. And that, God, our lives would promote the faith, the love, the grace that we have from you. So, God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond and the courage to live it out this morning. God, change us. Hide me. God, may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. And may you get all the glory and all the credit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We, we probably have all heard this before. And um, in fact, I, I, I actually, this is quoting, it's the Shema that Jesus quoted. And I actually read it last week and stuff out of Deuteronomy and, and everything. And, and so, and, and we know this, that we're called to love God, that if, if our lives are actually billboards, if we are promoting something, um, then we as Christians, we're called first and foremost to love God with everything that we have. And, and that's where the kind of the rubber meets the road right here. And so, so for us this morning, um, I, I think the issue is finding out what does that look like in our lives? What does it actually mean to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and, and with everything you have? Well, what does that look like? Because it's, it's something we can say, it's something we can sing about, you know, we can show up to church, but what does it look like outside there? And, and I think it comes down to the idea that love, love in some way, it, it equals kind of obedience. And I know that doesn't sound like really appealing to anybody, but, but just think about it. If, if, if we're going to love, then we should act the way that we're told to act. We're, we should live the way we're told to live. In, in fact, I th think it's very true that our lives will pr promote what we love most. What, whatever we're living out the most, that's what we love the most. And there's a huge difference this morning and every day again, versus speaking love and actually showing love. See, I think we've gotten into a habit in our culture and a lot of our church that it's really easy to say, yes, I love God. 
I, I mean, for years in, in youth ministry, I saw kids go to camp or go to some kind of rally and stuff, and it was just amazing. They would sit there and, like, they'd raise their hands, and they'd be all, like, into worship, and it's just, like, you know, tears flowing. It was beautiful and everything. And then I would see them at school a few days later, and there was none of that going on. And I think so often we get into this mode where it's easy to say, yeah, I love God. But, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Missouri. Show me. <laughs> Show me. That it's not just about saying it, it's about showing love. In fact, Jesus said this in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, then you'll actually live the way I tell you to live. You'll do and say and act and you'll obey with that. Uh, if you love me, you'll actually, you'll show what, what that looks like. That it's not just, not just lip service. And, and I think so often, you know, we, we, give, we give the Jews and the, and the Old Testament a hard time because you look and say, how stupid could they be? I mean, look at it. God just parted, a, parted the Red Sea and they walked across and then they're making a golden calf. How dumb could they be? And, and that's just ridiculous. But how many times are we giving God just kind of lip service and saying, yeah, I love you. But when, when it's hard or it doesn't make sense, our lives aren't reflecting what that. And, and so, so I, I believe the formula is, is pretty simple. Uh, I think love plus obedience plus us saying, yes, I'm going to do what you, what you say and I'm going to live the way you say is a life that reflects God. That I, I, don't, I don't think we can separate. You can't just say, I love you. I, my, my daughters would always say, Daddy, I love you. I love you. I love you. Now buy me this. <laughs> I'm like, if you love me, you'd take out the trash. <laughs> you would clean your room. Show me you love me because there's, there's an action to it. We, we've made love kind of an adjective instead of a verb. And it's always been a verb. It's always been actions and everything. And so, so that's what the basis of this. And so what does it actually look like to love God? What does it actually look like to live that out? Turn back your Bibles to Matthew 22. You know, this is an interesting section in Matthew because this is really where the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they keep trying to trap Jesus. They, they keep trying to trick him or they keep trying to catch him. And, you know, th this is in that section where they're like, hey, you know, we're Jews and we're being pushed down by the Romans. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? And they're just waiting for him because if Jesus says, hey, no, don't give Caesar any taxes, and understand, then the Romans can take him. But he says, give tax to Caesar's, and Jesus has these great answers all the time. You know, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to the Lord what's the Lord's. And so they keep traveling and they get frustrated because they can't catch him. The Sadducees actually came up and they're talking to him about like, hey, if, if someone dies, whose husband will they be and stuff like that. And the Sadducees don't even believe in the resurrection <laughs> to begin with. And so they keep, and so they're all frustrated with him. And so in verse 34, it says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees again, they gathered together like, how can we trap him? And so they get a really smart guy, a lawyer. So you can see things really haven't changed that much. <laughs> Lawyer's always trying to trap you into saying something that you don't mean or don't say. And he asked him a question to test him. In verse 36, he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Of all the commandments, what's the best commandment? What's the, great, what's the most important commandment of, of, of all of them? And Jesus answers him, again, with the Shema. That is something that they would quote three times a day, and it was part of their faith. And he says, he said to him, verse 37, uh, 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
Everything that you have. And so, of course, they understood, like, yeah, we say this all the time, but the problem is, is that I don't think they understood what it actually means. And, and I think we kind of struggle because it's easy for us to say, okay, I love God, but what does it actually mean to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength? And, and I love that Jesus starts with the heart. See, when, when he says here, uh, the whole heart, he's talking about the whole heart. And when a Jewish person, or in the Bible, when you read about the heart, it is about the whole person, undivided. That there are no other things that the heart longs for. There's no other things that, um, that, that have made, that have set above what, what God, about loving God and stuff. And there are three things about the heart that are very specific to our faith. The very first thing is the heart, for us, whenever you hear the Bible and it says, love God with all your heart, the heart is the seat of our knowledge of God. It is where we actually know God and everything. Look, look at this. In, uh, whew, I'm getting ahead of myself. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And, and so right there, beginning, our heart is how we know God. It's where we know God. It's where all the knowledge is stored for God and everything. And so, so the question for us is, is like, are we filling our heart with that knowledge? Are we filling our heart with the stuff that is of God? Or are we filling it with other things? Because if I'm going to love God with all my heart, with my whole heart and, and complete, then, then I, have to, I have to sit there and go, okay, this is what I'm going to fill myself with. It's the old saying, whatever you fill yourself with, that's what you become. You know, you fill it with teacher stuff, you become a teacher. I'm not going to do it, Mark. I'm not going to say you fill your stuff with nothing and you're a politician. <laughs> but but, but it, it, it's your heart. It's, it's the whole person. And so the very first thing, it's where the knowledge of God is. And so what are we filling our heart with? The next thing our heart does is it governs our vision of God, how we view God and, and how we look at him. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So again, what, what am I filling my heart with? Is, is it only things that match purity and, and things that are of God and, and things that are wholesome and good, whatever's good, whatever's pleasing, whatever thing? Um, what, what am I filling my heart with? Or is there other stuff in there that's about me or the self or what I want? And, and then finally, the heart is the place of divine indwelling. Look, look, look at this. In Ephesians 3.17, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Literally, Christ indwells, His Spirit indwells our heart. And, and so, the heart is something, we can't do it like halfway. It can't be like, I'm, I'm, okay, this part is for God, this part is for me, this part is for my family, this part is for my job, this part. And, and I know that's difficult. Because we live in a culture and we're taught that we compartmentalize things, especially as men. I mean, as guys, you know, I, like I was raised by a West Virginia hillbilly and stuff, and, and, and I loved him. But it was always about like, this is my faith. It's very private. This is my part. This is my job. This is my family. Um, you know, you're a guy. Don't cry. Don't show emotion. Don't, don't do this and stuff. And, and everything is compartmentalized. But when we are called to love God, if we actually want to promote a life that promotes God in us, it has to be our whole heart. It's, it's where everything that we know of God, it's, where, it's our vision of God, it, it's where God himself dwells within us. 
This is why I think the Bible talks so much about guarding your heart. Guard the heart. Guard your heart. This is why Jeremiah says, you know, the heart is the most deceitful thing that there is. And I think this is why the, the whole verse starts with love God with all your heart. Undivided. And, and so the question for us this morning is where are we investing our heart? Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Now, now I know this is talking about, you know, like treasures and all stuff, but just, just listen to it for a second. It says, do not lay up yourself for treasures on earth, verse 19, where moth and rust and destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and, and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so my question for us this morning, for you, for me, for, for anybody, is where are you investing your heart? What, what are you investing it in? You know, are, 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 are you investing in the knowledge? Are you investing like, I want to know God more? Listen, I can answer that for you because if the only time you open your Bible is on a Sunday morning or maybe once or twice and, and you're not learning anything or, or finding out anything new about God, then you're not investing in knowing God. Because this book, these words are everything we need to know about who God is and what he wants for us and how we should live our lives. And so are we investing in knowledge? Are we investing in purity? Are we guarding what we see and what's allowed in our ears and in our eyes and in our homes? Or are we guarding... Um, what, what's playing on the television or regarding what we're listening to the radio or regarding what we're reading or regarding what we're looking at. You know, this, this is why, again, the Bible says over and over, guard your hearts, don't let it sing. Are we investing in things that are pure, without blemish? And then finally, are we investing in the presence of God? Are we expecting that not only at church, but every day I'm living in the presence of God because His Spirit dwells within me. This is why my pet peeve is when people pray, and they pray especially at church, Lord, come. Like, I don't even like that song anymore. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and join us. <clears throat> because if you're a follower of Christ, God's presence and Spirit is always with you. So are you acknowledging that, or are you investing in, like, I want to make sure I <clears throat> understand and, and I sense the presence of God. That's what whole heart is. And, and I love that it starts there because the, our hearts, like I always say, and, and I believe this, that every issue we face is a heart issue. I, I don't care whether it's finances, it's how you view your finances, that's a heart issue. If it's relationships, it's a heart issue. If, if it's your job, if it's, it's if it, anything, it's, it's a heart issue. It always starts there. This is how I, I used to get in trouble with like homeschool parents because they would ask me as a youth pastor, like, hey, you need to preach that our kids should never, ever date. <laughs> no dating allowed whatsoever. And I'm like, I would rather preach purity because if I just give them a rule, they're going to break it. But if I teach them why and we share what purity is, then they will view relationships in a way that honors God. Also, in the New Testament, <coughs> I'll preach this as long as you betrothed your 13-year-old to, a, like, a 30-year-old. Because <laughs> by the time they were 13, they were engaged. By the time they were 16, they're old maids. <laughs> and, and so we pick and choose and we make rules, but it always comes back to the heart for us. 
And so we have to, if we are going to promote, live a life that promotes God, first our heart has to be focused and undivided towards God in knowledge and in purity and in His presence. And so that's where, that's where Jesus starts. He starts with the heart, but then, then He goes on. You know, He says the whole soul. You know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with, with everything. And, and in the Bible, when it talks about the soul, a lot of times it's talking about ourself or maybe our ego, you know, our personality. But it's really the life that we live, everything that makes us who we are, the soul. The soul is eternal. The soul is, is the life. And so, so many times you, you see in the Bible where it says, and this many souls were present. It's like this many lives are present or this many people are changed. But it's this all-encompassing picture of our life. And so we're supposed to love God with all of our soul, all of our life. But the problem is, is outside of Christ, we're dead. The problem is, is we can't even begin to understand to love God without Christ's presence. We can't even begin to love or understand what it means to love God or even think about living that way outside of Christ. Which means you can be a good person, but you're not good enough ever outside of Christ. That, that your life is... is only there because Christ gives you life. That's what he says. Look, it, it's, it's all about this word surrender. I mean, we, we don't like that word, especially in our culture. You know, we, we don't surrender. Never back down. Stand up to the bully. You know, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. You know, it's not, it's not, and so this idea of, like, I have to surrender myself and, and let go of myself to actually love God with all my heart and reflect a life that looks like God, it means that I have to let go of all the things that I want to hold on to so closely. Look, look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse This is Jesus talking. He's telling you what it costs to follow him. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, we read that and we're like, okay, so I just pick up my cross and, and I do that. But we read that as Gentiles. Because I want you to imagine the crowd that he's speaking to, a bunch of Jewish people being pushed down by the Romans. The cross meant death. In fact, there were times where Pilate, is, and so I, we, we, we look at Pilate and say, well, he wasn't such a bad guy and all this stuff. But there was one time where Pilate wanted to make, make a statement to all of Jerusalem. And so he literally lined the road into Jerusalem with people being crucified on a cross so they could just go by. That's why Golgotha, the place, is, was in a prominent place outside of Jerusalem. So everybody entering said he could see those people on a cross crucified and so so when jesus says listen if you want to follow me you take up your cross you take up this instrument of death and destruction you let go of yourself and, and you come follow me it's a little bit hard it would be like me this morning saying listen pick up your electric chair and walk around carrying electro saying that i'm dead it's no longer i that live and so it is this act of total surrender, and there's no greater picture of surrender than Christ on the cross. God himself in flesh coming to the planet, having the full rights, being fully God, fully man, and yet humbled himself even to death on a cross. 
It's about serenity. It's about like, listen, my plans are not that important. My my goals are not that important. My life is not that important, Christ, because it is about me giving everything to you, surrendering every little thing. In, in fact, in Galatians 5.24, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's me letting go of everything. And again, I go back to that idea that we compartmentalize. Jesus, you can have this, you can have that, you can have my Sundays, you can, you can have this, I'll pray before meals, and you know, I'll even tithe and stuff, but I, you know, I'm going to hold on to this, and maybe I'll hold on to this, but you can have everything else. It, it doesn't work that way. If we actually want to promote God, we have to walk through life with open hands on everything. We, we have to walk through life with open hands with, with our families. Say, God, you, you take my wife, you take my kids, I'm just, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do it your way. I mean, in, in the end, I think, I think that's, that's it. So, I can choose to do things my way, or I can choose to do things God's way. My way leads to bondage. God's way leads to freedom. Always. And so I choose to surrender, and when I say my whole life, that means every portion of it. My, my finances, my, my family, my future, everything. I just say, God, whatever brings you the most glory. And pro- I promise you that's not easy. I understand that that's not easy. Sometimes it makes absolutely no sense, but in the end, do we trust God enough with our lives? And say, I, I, w- I want to give you all of this. I, I, I want to I surrender. I don't know about you, but there are weeks and there are days when I just want to raise the white flag. And say, man, I'm so tired of fighting all this and fighting all that. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, if you want to live a life that reflects me, that promotes me, you're going to love me. With, you're going to love God with all your heart, and invest your heart into things that are me. And then you're going to surrender everything. So raise the white flag and stop fighting, because we have promises that says God works for the good of those who love Him. Doesn't mean that everything that happens is good, but in the end, it all works together good. So why not surrender and say, "Okay, I trust you with all of this, even the things I don't." I have, God, you know, help me let go. <laughs> There's a great prayer in the Bible. One of the best prayers in the Bible is a, a man that his son was trying to get healed by the disciples. They couldn't do it. And, and Jesus says, you know, if you can, or the man looks at Jesus and says, if you can. He's like, if you can. And the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I, I think for us, it's like, God, I trust you. Help me to trust it, it, we've got to get to a point in our lives, we've got to get a point as a church and as individuals where we just say, God, I, I trust you, and so I, I let go. Wh- whatever that looks like, even if it doesn't seem to make sense to me, I let go and I surrender. And so we, 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 we love God with all our heart, with our whole heart. We, we love God with all of our soul, of our life, and, and our ego, and all our plans, and, and all things. And then finally, he ends with our whole mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And, and in the Bible, once again, it, it's our understanding. 
It's, it's the way we think. And, and the honest truth is in our culture, and I don't know about you, but every single day I have to remember this, that I need to rewire the way I think. Because, because of the nature that we are born with, because of sin nature, we are born with the idea that our thinking is about, it's about self-preservation. It's about me and only me and whatever helps me and helps my family and gets, promotes me and, and does that. And that's the way we're raised, we're taught. Um, the school, everything is a competition. Like, you know, who's going to have the highest GPA? Who's gonna, it's all about you being the very best that you can be and all this stuff. And, and when we come to God and when we say, I want to have a life that promotes God, we need to rewire the way we start our think, the way we think. It can't be about self only. In, in fact, that's, that's, what, that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 12 too. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we are all being forced to try to fit into a mold that the world says, this is what success looks like. This is what a successful church, this is what a successful business, this is what a successful family, this is what it looks like, and you have to fit this mold. The only problem is the world keeps changing the standards of what that mold is, and they keep trying to remake the mold because they can't find one. And so if I'm thinking a certain way, if I'm saying this is what I have to do, and, and so as a pastor, if I'm sitting here going, well, the only way this church is successful if there's a thousand people here, and we have big buildings, and we, and we have all that stuff, and that's what the world is telling me is success. I need to rewire my thinking, and the only way that happens is when I'm training transformed with the renewal of my mind that I start filling my head and my thoughts with the things of God and so so the question again this morning is what or who controls your thoughts is it what what the media says is it what your friends say is this what culture says you know, what, what am I filling my head with? What, what am I watching all the time? This is why I don't even, like, I hate watching news. <laughs> because it's so slanted. And it's so, like, this is the way things should be, and this is what all is wrong. And I'm like, this is so crazy and stuff. And, 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 and I can listen to my own self. You know, we, we war with our own selves. There's a, there's a war going on between our old self, our flesh, and with the new self that God's created in us. And so we hear those voices like, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm not, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not talented enough, or I'm not fast enough, or I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. And we let those kind of invade our thoughts. You know, one, one person used to tell me, Jesus has your heart when you come to him, but your bat the battleground will always be your mind. And there is no one better in psychological warfare than our enemy, Satan. He has been around for millennia watching us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the things that worry us. He knows the patterns that we make. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. If you came on Tuesday nights, you would learn about all this stuff. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not all powerful, but he's smart enough to watch over all this time and see those patterns. And so I have to ask myself, who controls my thoughts? Is, is, it, is it God's word? Is it what God thinks of me? You know, I don't know how many people I've sat with where over the years my best counseling little saying is like this, write this on your window. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Because there are so many people that sit there like I'm dirt, I'm nothing. I'm like, no, you're not. God created you. 
Understand that your worth comes from there's a God that made you, not because someone says you don't look, you don't, have, you don't fit into the right clothes, you don't have the right body type or the right hair or any of that stuff or the right job. None of that stuff gives us worth. And so if we're, if we're thinking about what success and everything is and I want to promote God, then shouldn't we care mostly what God thinks? And shouldn't we put on our heads to think on the things that God thinks? And, and this is what Paul says. He says, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is good, whatever is righteous, whatever is, think on those things. We, we have to remember because we do. We get locked in. And it's been, signed, by the way, it's scientifically proven that a lot of depression is because we think about depression. And we can actually wire our brains in such a way that we're always down and we're Eeyores. That you can actually rewire and renew how you think. But you've got to fill yourself with the things that are of God. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, starting at verse 6. Paul writes this, For to set the mind on the spirit, on the things of God, is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Think that. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And so if I want to promote God, if I want a life that promotes God and, and lives out God, then I have to start thinking about the things God thinks of. I have to start caring about the things God cares about. And I can tell you what God cares about. He cares about all those people that don't know Him. He cares about all those people that are struggling. He cares about all those people that are lost. And so, and so we start thinking about, okay, let's love the things that God loves. And let's hate the things that God hates. And let's get our minds set on that. Let's fill our minds, let's fill our hearts, let's fill our souls with everything that is of God. And when we fill ourselves with all that stuff, what happens... <coughs> is you walk in a room and people start seeing God. That's what we're called to do. That, that's what we're called to promote. It's this idea of a whole heart, my whole soul, my whole mind, everything that I have. And I believe there's so many Christians, followers of Christ this morning, that are frustrated with their faith because they're holding back something. They're holding back part of that heart. They're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to this thing, and I, I love this, so I'm going to hold this, or this part of my life I'm going to hold on to. Or I'm, I'm going to think about this, but I'm also going to listen to these voices. And I'm going to let that fill my mind. And Jesus says, no, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, with everything that we have. And when we do that, we'll reflect God. Our lives will promote it. You won't have to invite people to church. People will just see that and say, that's what I want. I want a life of peace. I want a life of purpose. I want a life of hope. I want a life of joy. Because we're living it out. It's evident, and we'll say, it's not just lip service anymore. In the end, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll keep my commandments. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything that you have. And listen, I, I understand. It's not easy, and it, and it doesn't always make sense. You know, this past week, 
was kind of a very trying week for me and my family. You know, we, we had to put our dog down that we've had like forever, grew up with our kids and everything. And we love our dog. And my wife's sad and I was sad. It was, it was a, it's a, you know, God gives us, I don't know, God gives us connections with animals and, and, and all that stuff. And so there's always like that connection. There was that, you know, my niece went in the hospital and everything. And in the midst of all that, you know, we came up with a plan that said, hey, this will help us and help, help the church if, if I get a job at Disney. And so we went through all the process of all that, and it came down to it where they looked at me, and he called me and says, hey, we want to offer you a job. You're going to be full-time. This is going to be great. We think you're going to really go, you're going to do well in this. I said, yeah, but can I not work on Sundays? We can't guarantee that. Well, can you guarantee I won't work every Sunday? We can't guarantee that. And everything in me was sitting there. I struggled. I, even, I sent an email out to the elders and some friends and just said, man, pray for me because this is a big deal because, you know, this would help us an awful lot. And, and I've got people emailing and saying, just get a job. Just go get a paying job. Just do all that. It doesn't matter about the church. It doesn't matter about all that. And I sat there, and, and sometime that night I shot up out of bed. I'm like, God, but I looked at that man across in that interview, and I said, I'm not going to work on Sundays. I feel like God's called me to plant this church, and as long as there's more than two of us there, then I've got to keep preaching. That was the deal. If it's just me, well, then okay, then the church is done. But if there's more than <laughs> if there's two or more of us, that was the deal. I keep I keep preaching, and 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 right now where our church is and stuff, I, you know, how how would that help the church if I'm not if I'm working every Sunday? How can I fulfill that? And so I called him. He was supposed to call me Friday. I called him Thursday and said I can't take that job. That was a hard phone call. Because everything in me says, this, this is perfect for you. You're going to get health benefits. You can start saving for a retirement again. You can, you can do all this stuff, and, and this will help and stuff. And it didn't make any sense. And as I was reading this again this week, it says, Will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, even when it doesn't make sense? And, and honest with you, I just, I'm still struggling with this and saying, man, God, okay, God, I don't understand, but this is the, this is the standard that you placed in my heart, and so I'm going to stand by that standard. And no, Friday they didn't call me and says, well, gosh, because you are so have so much integrity and you still it, we're going to offer you this job, and you're going to be the vice president of Disney, and, and here's all this stuff. No, none of that happened. Listen, there's no guarantee when we obey God that everything is going to work out immediately, but I promise you in the end it will all work to the good. Because that's a promise. Listen, I, I just believe our churches are filled with people that have compromised. And it's no wonder the world looks at us and say, I don't see hope there anymore. And I had to tell that gentleman on the phone saying, what would it look like if I told you I can't work on Sundays and then I say, well, just because I need some money, I'm, I'll, I'll take the job. That, that's, it's not easy. I understand. And in the end, it will be worth it. Maybe not tomorrow, but in the end, it will be worth it. I, I believe that with all my heart. But our lives already promote everything. I, I love, I, I love this. Ezra Taft Benson says this: "To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is all-consuming and all-encompassing." I can't speak this morning. 
encompassing. Thank you. <laughs> it is no lukewarm endeavor. To, to follow God and, and to love him with everything you have is never a half-in situation. It's all in or it's none in. And that's a hard statement. But it, it's, it's worth it and it's true. So I'm going to ask you this morning once again, what does your life promote? What is your life promoting? Does it promote a faith and an understanding that there's a God that loves us, that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, that took our place to build a, to recreate and restore a relationship that was always supposed to be there? Is it a faith that lasts more than a Sunday morning? Is it a faith that shows wherever I go and the decisions I make and, and the words that I say? It is, a, is it an all encompassing? I can't say it. En encompassing. Thank you. I can't speak this morning. It, does, it, does it cover everything? <laughs> does it show in everything? And like I said, it's not easy, but it's worth it. And it's what the world out there desperately wants to see. And how they'll judge, is this real or not? In us. And so I just want, I want to give us a chance to respond. I want to give us a chance just to, to look and see, like, God, am I holding on to things that I don't need to be holding on to anymore? Are, are there attitudes? Or is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Are there, are there things that I think I have to do that I'm holding on to instead of giving my whole heart, my whole soul, my whole mind? Am I investing in growing in this every single day? Wherever you're at, let, let God just speak to you now. And if there is an area, just raise the white flag. I would rather surrender to a loving king than to a world that doesn't care anything about me or my family. I would surrender to gain freedom instead of compromise, to struggle and be about peace, joy, hope, and purpose. What do you need to surrender this morning? Let's pray.